Hey everyone, just wanted to give a little message before the show started that in today's episode we are going to be touching on some sensitive topics like gun violence and domestic violence. Um, outside of that, the show is pretty lighthearted, but just wanted to give that little warning. Hi, I'm Ephraim Mellis, and you're listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. wondering why I've been on such a Degrassi The Next Generation kick lately, having on guests like Mike LaBelle, who played Jay, Daniel Kelly, who portrayed Owen. Well, it's more than me reviving my youth. The Canadian cult classic is actually currently celebrating their 20-year anniversary. Oh my god, 20 years of Degrassi. That sounds so beautiful. And while the franchise uh, has actually been around since the 70s, the 2000s iteration has my heart and is where I was introduced to today's guest who took on one of the most polarizing characters the show has ever produced. Known to some as Rick, the guy who shot Drake, today we're getting to know him as him. I welcome Ephraim Ellis. Hello. Hey there, Wayne. It's great to be here. So before we get started, tell us, Ephraim, what is your environment? Where in the world are you calling from? And like, where are you chilling? Where are you hanging out? Uh, cool. So, um, yeah, so I'm in Toronto, Ontario, same place that Degrassi was shot, same place I've lived my whole life. Uh, and I'm currently sitting on the floor in my living room, sitting at my coffee table, because that's the best place that I could place my uh, podcasting mic <laughs> so that I could get some good levels for you. Um, got a uh, big old cup of coffee beside me. Uh, it's a beautiful day. Lots of light coming in the window. Yeah, it's a nice scene. That sounds lovely, actually. Yeah. And so, you you know, you said you grew up in Toronto. You've been there your whole life. That's where the show was shot. And um, I don't know how people know this. Back in your high school days, you actually already had a connection to the show going to high school with Jake Epstein and John Breger. Um, d they didn't have anything to do with you getting on the show. You just happened to have friends that were there, right? Uh, yeah, no, that was kind of the joke I always made when I was in high school is that every single high school student of that age in Toronto probably knew somebody that was on Degrassi because we were all spread out across like all the different high schools in Toronto. Um, and I just happened to go to the arts program at Earl Haig with uh, Epstein and Breger. Um, and I knew that they were on the show uh, and I thought it was really, really cool. And I, had, and I wanted to be an actor and start getting into it. So when I got my agent in the summer between grade 12 and my first year of university, so like right after I graduated high school, um, and within three months of me auditioning and trying to go out for roles and things like that, an, uh, an audition for Degrassi crossed my desk. Um, you would think that the first thing that would pop into my mind is that, oh, this is a major series. That would be an amazing job. This is a really big opportunity. The first thing I thought was, wow, what a cool first job that would be because then I'd get to work with my high school friends and they'd get to show me around. <laughs> like my, I love my, that. my, my first thought was that, oh, I'll know some people there if I get the job. That'll be nice and probably make me less nervous. That'll be great. 
And when you actually did join and you were on the set, did, were, were they around at all? I know, like, um, when the cameras are cut, y'all are, you know, socializing, blah, blah, blah. But um, were you kind of put into that world really on your own without any of their sort of, like, friendship there to help push you? Do you know what I mean? Like, on your first days on set, were was it more just you writing solo? Well, to be perfectly, yeah, I don't think I ever, I definitely never worked with, John Breger on camera. And I don't think he was ever actually on set any of the days that I was on set. So that was kind of weird. Um, and I saw Jake around quite a bit because oh, I can't remember what episode it was, but he had a pretty big um, a plot in one of my episodes when Rick was more like the B or C plot back in season three when it was the Terry storyline. Um, so I saw him around on set, but I didn't actually get to work with him on camera at all. And I don't think I ever, no, I was never on camera with Jake except for right after the big scene in the hallway when <laughs> Craig comes around the corner and whispers, Jimmy, um, in that famous, wonderfully memeable moment. Um, yeah, but we weren't actually in that scene together because like, I like I exit and then he comes on. <laughs> right, 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 so, right. So yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So we never actually got to work together, wind. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you would still at least had some camaraderie on set. Um, so jumping into when you when you first started and you know you're going in for this role, you kind of learned that it's going to be more complex than you had really anticipated and um that you're gonna be taking on stuff that uh, what age did you join uh the show um so i started acting professionally again the summer between grade 12 and my first year of university so i was 18 years old uh that summer when i did season three of degrassi and then when i came back for like the big heavier storyline in season four that was the summer between my first and second year of university so i was 19. Okay, well, right. So a young adult, but um, definitely still taking on uh, heavy topics with the domestic violence issues with mm -hmm. the Terry storyline and stuff like that. Um, did you see yourself doing such a like kind of like a serious role um, as your first? And how was that to jump right into the waters with something so complex? Um, I, I never, I never really thought about it that way. Because like, um, like I went to an arts high school, so I was doing uh, a drama class for an hour and a half every day when I was in high school. We, we were doing like big classic plays with big, heavy, uh, you know, subject matter and stuff in our scene study classes in high school. And I was young enough that like, I, I'm not sure I was like even fully aware of like the gravity of that sort of stuff. Um, and I'd always wanted to be an actor, so I'd always imagined myself doing like uh, big, big, heavy, important kind of scenes like that. So um, I, I I wasn't that worried about it or worried that the subject matter was too serious. I just kind of wanted to show up and do the work and do it justice. That's fantastic. And, yeah. you know, Degrassi really uh, kind of like paved the way for, I'd say, kids, quote unquote, kids shows. But though they were, you know, a lot of them were kids back then, you know, mm -hmm. covering these these heavy topics. So it's it's almost like, as the years went on, um, joining the show, you were like, okay, I'm going to have to do something intense at some point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and like, and as an actor, the more intense the thing, oftentimes the more fun and more rewarding it is. Like it might not be, you know, quote unquote, it might not be like fun, fun to be like sitting in those emotions and sitting in that scene. But like the, the, the reason you become an actor is, is to, to play with those 
big serious feelings and those emotions and being able to um yeah in order to really commit and play in those scenes it's it's what you start doing that art form for so it's it's really really rewarding that's fantastic um and how are the how pivotal I mean, this is almost a silly question but how pivotal were the directors i'm sure and the it producers? is i am sure that <laughs> it is not a silly question <laughs> I, I appreciate the reassurance um <laughs> How was it? How were the directors and the producers um, of that like era of Degrassi? Um, how was your relationship with them, and especially with a character? You know, you come in, you, you know, you had a guest role, but it was such an important one over you know two seasons, and um, so I feel like they almost would like really want to focus on you and really want to like cultivate what your situation is going to be while you're there. What was your relationship like with them, the people behind so the scenes? So, so my relationship was always really, really good. Um, I, th I think maybe I can answer that question by way of a, uh, of a kind of fun anecdote. So like I finished season three and it was great. And that storyline went exactly the way that they had intended to. Uh, I was really happy with my work. Uh, I think that they were too. Um, but, uh, at the end of the season three storyline after Rick puts Terry in the coma, um, like I, I, I didn't think there was any way for my character to come back. I didn't really think that there was like anything more that Rick could accomplish as a character on the show. Cause he had kind of come in and done what he was written to do. Um, so, uh, like eight months later when I get a phone call, uh, from my agent saying, oh, you've got another job and I'm expecting it's something that I've auditioned for in the past three weeks. And he says, no, it's Degrassi. They want to bring you back. I'm like, yeah, they, they do. Why? Um, because like I'd kind of thought Rick got run out of town on a rail um, and there was no way that he could come back. I didn't really know where they could go with that character. Um, and I had like a one on I think it was a one on one meeting with Linda Shiler um, when they brought me back and she explained the storyline to me. Um, and I specifically remember her saying that they had wanted to tackle a school shooting storyline since the show started, but they knew they had to wait a little while in order to like kind of earn that heavy subject matter. And they also needed to figure out the right character to carry that storyline. And after seeing seeing where Rick's state of mind was at the end of season three that it was after that storyline that it hit them that he could be the guy to come back and do that storyline for them so I felt really really honored that they they felt that they could give me that responsibility of carrying this storyline that they'd kind of wanted to do since the show came back um so yeah I think our relationship was pretty good because they trusted me with some pretty heavy stuff that they were pretty passionate about and I do think that they chose, made a great choice. And, you know, with the, as you, as we were talking about season three ending, you know, in a really dark space for you. And we kind of were, you know, Rick was kind of in a limbo zone where, you know, you're right. We didn't know like what was going to happen or if we'd see him again. And then they kind of bring him back in this way that I loved with an almost a redemption arc to show, yeah. you know, just the, the human side of him. And I thought that was, you know, quite lovely because, you know, as a character, he is supposed to represent, you know, the dichotomy of being a human being in general, which has, you know, many facets, good and bad. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I always, I don't know if this sounds weird, but I've always kind of thought of 
Rick as like almost a Frankenstein's monster kind of character um, <laughs> in that like he's he's got these major anger management issues and he wants to do good, but he keeps on getting in the way of himself. Um, and he he does horrible things, but if given the chance, he might have had the capacity to be redeemed. Um, and that's yeah. And I, I really, really like that about that character and that kind of like first half of season four when he's back um, and you're gaining a little bit more sympathy for him. Um, I think that's really important because it really shows. I, I think one of the themes in that whole arc that I was in was kind of the vicious cycle of bullying because Rick starts off the bully and then he kind of learns from his mistakes and then comes back and tries to do better, but he cannot be forgiven for those mistakes, which make him go back into the same behaviors again. Um, yeah. And I think that's, I, I think that's really, really interesting and poignant. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, really speaking of the, the cycle of it all, I guess I hadn't, you know, thought about that, even though it's, you know, right in front of your face and hmm. just I hadn't like acknowledged the fact that it really was a full circle situation. Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't excuse it, but his motivations make sense. And the, you know, the circle really ended in the, that epic moment, which, you know, I have so many friends that um, have never seen Degrassi. Uh, or or have only seen a couple of episodes, but they know those two episodes. They know that story between Rick and Jimmy, um, aka Aubrey, Aubrey Graham, and you know it's. It, I feel like it was kind of like a cultural moment. Do you know what I mean? I I do. I like it's it 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 was really really weird. Like in I think maybe this was like in two thousand and seven. So it was even a couple of years later. Um. I was down in Manhattan visiting a, a friend of mine and we were just like wandering around like shopping or going between like, like we were in between going to see some shows and stuff. And like, I had gotten used to like, like maybe being recognized from Degrassi on the street in Toronto, like maybe like once or twice a month. Um, and for other work that I'd done in Canada, like even fewer and farther between, but that like one afternoon, <laughs> Um, like five or six people like waved and pulled me aside. So I didn't like, I didn't really quite realize until a couple of years later, just how big of a moment that show and that character was like in the States, even compared to, to Canada where I was living. Um, it was a really, really cool feeling. Yeah. It, you know, it is really interesting because I feel like the show was so popular in Canada, but here it was, it, it's like, you know, no, it was if huge. You're, it yeah, was if you're huge. in, you're yeah. in, and you're obsessed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So um, mm -hmm. that you listen, you've you've got plenty of fans here, that's for sure. And the episode was, you know, obviously very intense to to watch, and I'm sure to to act out. I mean, I I read before that you you know you had a little bit of a hard time breaking character that day, and we're, it's for everyone that uh, for anyone that hasn't seen the episode, um, Ephraim, who we're speaking to right now, plays Rick, who ends up in a situation where because of bullying and misunderstandings and things like that, ends up bringing a gun to school, and ends up paralyzing a character Jimmy, played by Drake, and it was it was just I mean. 
I remember crying myself watching the show, like gasping, not believing it happened. It was just so intense. How long did that take for, how long was that, that hallway scene, how, how long did it take to shoot? And how long were you like in and out of character? And how was that? Like that whole back half of that two-parter in the hallway, both the scene with, with Obbs and then the scene with, um, Daniel Clark and Miriam McDonald and Jake Goldsby in the next in the next hallway down. Those two scenes were all the same afternoon. Um, and we filmed them one right after the other to kind of like keep us in that through line. Um, and like, like, I think you said, like, like you read something that I was having trouble breaking character. Like it was less that it was less that like I could have broken character at any time. But in order to like stay in those really, really hard to find feelings and to stay in that place, I kind of it's less even that I had to stay in character or more. I just like I just I, I just couldn't interact with anyone. I just couldn't like. I couldn't go off and between takes like we normally would. We would just be ourselves and, and chit chat in between scenes and in between takes. And um, I, I kind of just had to stay quiet and kind of like stay in my own head in that headspace while we were filming those scenes in that whole afternoon. Um, and again, that sounds horrible, but it was really, really gratifying. Like shooting those two scenes are like uh, like it is like some of my most proudest work and, and some of the most artistically fulfilling work I've done in my career. I didn't have any hesitancy at all taking on sensitive subject matter like that. You know, I was just honored that the production team thought that I could do it justice. You know, I just wanted to make them proud. Um, I had every confidence going in that the writers and directors would be able to do it justice and really make it something special that said something. Um, yeah, and I think it was the right time for Degrassi to tackle that kind of topic. Again, they've been wanting to do so for a while, and with Rick, they'd really found a really perfect character to be an in to that kind of storyline, so it felt really organic. And it'd only been, what, like five years since Columbine? So tragic events like that were still regularly on people's minds. And I, I think it's important for people to be able to work through their feelings about the real world through fiction. You know, I think Degrassi was really good at that, giving kids watching an opportunity to think about really tough stuff like that but with that extra layer of safety around it because it's just a story um yeah i think that's really important and for anyone that hasn't yeah. seen um the episode of the series please make sure to check out degrassi next generation all the episodes are on youtube i tell everybody it's free go get it go watch it become immersed um and we're gonna chat a little bit more about that day and Things that came in your future right after this break. You never know who'll show up to the Wayne Holtz podcast. Really happy to be here on your podcast. Thank you. Rock goddess Nina Diaz. You know, first of all, it begins with having the passion, having the passion for the music. TV host, author. And a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. Don't forget that. Of course, Ross. And celebrity big brother contestant, Ross Matthews. When you reached out to me and asked if I'd be on your podcast, it was a no-brainer. I love people who create and contribute, and that is you. It is so nice to talk to you. Cool conversations with people we want to know more about. Hey, guys, this is Chris Booker, and you're listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. This is J.D. Sampson, and you're listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. This is Perez Hilton, and you are listening to the Wayne Holtz Podcast. Listen to the Wayne Holtz Podcast free now on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and at thewayneholtz.com. 
Hey, Weenyx, welcome back to the Wayne Holtz podcast. That humming you heard was from our guest, Degrassi's Ephraim Ellis. Um, so I have a question <laughs> that I've been wondering, and I don't. I'm sure this is somewhere on that in that episode. You infamously had yellow goo uh, liquid oh and my God. feathers dumped on you that kind of um, really set yep. you off on the show. Uh, okay, first of all, I want to know, what was the yellow goo? Was it just paint? Was it mustard? No, no, it's, 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 what, it's, it's what it was in universe in the show. It was just yellow paint. It was just yellow temper paint. Like, if I'm not mistaken, undiluted, just dumped in a big bucket on my head. Uh, it was not fun, but yet again, Rick was not having a fun day either. I mean, Rick uh, did come back as a ghost in The Curse of Degrassi a couple of years later. So, I mean, is that one of the just webisodes? be playing him from that episode. Yeah, it was one of the webisodes. There was a very strange um, but very, very fun Halloween webisode called The Curse of Degrassi that they brought me back in, that they wanted me to physically be in it, but I was actually shooting another series that summer, So, and they, they but they didn't want to change the storyline, so they just had me come in and do, like, a ghost voiceover of, like, the ghost of Rick haunting the new characters. It was, it was super weird, but really, really fun. How interesting. You know, I haven't watched all of those webisodes, but for anyone that's a fan of the show and doesn't know, there there's know. a whole other layer to the Degrassi world that's online that they really, you know, they had fun with. I feel like the writers were able to let loose a little bit more. And and so that's cool. That's I haven't seen that one. So I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. So as I said, Rick, Rick's ghost come back, comes back. Um, oh, another another fun thing about that yellow paint and feathers. Um, I got as a, a gift from the makeup and hair department from Degrassi after my after my arc ended. They handed me like a little um, like a little vial of the paint with uh, like a label on the outside of it that with the feathers stuck in it on the outside that says uh, R.I.P. Rick on it. Um, and that little vial of yellow paint with some feathers on it has like been sitting on my desk for the past 20 years. I love that. Like it's part of like my like tchotchkes that like I have on my desk to remind myself of cool things that I've done. You know, one of my questions was uh, to ask if you were able to take anything from the set or momentum or anything. So, okay. No. Yeah. So, yeah. So I got, yeah. So I got that vial of yellow paint and feathers, which is one of my prized possessions. And I desperately wanted a pair of my glasses um it's like especially the ones that initially got hit with the the paint that they like had to copy for continuity later but like i asked and they like needed to keep them in case they needed to do pickups and then i just was never able to uh get a copy of them but i would love a pair of those glasses you deserve them and honestly you looked great in them you had the glasses yeah. you had the the great hair um you know it's weird i got i i uh I got married last last year in September and I got like a really short haircut right before the wedding. And then I did not I have not had it cut. I've had it cut once like a month ago, but like I just let it grow out all over the past year. And it's like the closest it's been to Rick length. Wow. Since probably when I was 18, 19. OK, I and say I'm it. like it's coming back. It's coming back. I say stick with it. 
<laughs> Let's go for the gold here. Okay, or go for the yellow. More to say. Um, so, well, your hair did make a comeback, though. Your long hair when you when the whole cast reunited for Drake's "I'm Upset" video, and you know oh, Drake's yeah. friends kind of got his revenge on you. Um, tell me. And so, I guess you got extensions or something. We'll get there. But like, tell me about getting that call um, when it was kind of like the high school reunion of when. That class and that era of the Degrassi kids graduated, um, and Drake brought everyone together. Like, what, what, how did that call or that email go for when they were inviting you to join them? Like, it's that's like it sucks because it's not that interesting a story. It's like literally like I have the same agent, um, and like Drake's people called my agent, and the same thing happened with everybody else that <laughs> came back. Is that like, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure like at least 90, 95% of the people that were in that video are still um, still acting and still have like agents and managers and stuff. So it's just Drake's people reached out to our people and said, hey, do you want to be in a video? And we were like, hell yeah, that sounds amazing. That sounds like the funnest time ever. Um, yeah, and yeah, and then we went out and did that. Um, and it was, it's really cool because like, like as you said, like the like the setup of the video is that it's a it's like a fake high school reunion. Like the conceit of the video is that it's a high school reunion, but actually hanging out on the set of that video legit felt like a high school reunion because we were all hanging out with these people that we maybe hadn't seen in um, like 15, 15 years for me um, at that point and catching up and reliving old times and hanging out in um our fake high school that we used to go to. Um, and it was so much fun and it was like a huge party. It was great. I mean, it looked like an amazing time. If anyone hasn't seen yeah. that video, I need you to go watch it. Uh, I was actually planning my own high school reunion and I was, it was like the week before and I was planning it all by myself. And, um, something popped up that the video came out and I honestly got the chills. I was like, Oh my God, this is beautiful timing. And, uh, I mean, like, it was so cool that you got to have that like iconic role in the video where, you know, Drake's guys get their revenge on you. I was just oh my, like, like it was, it was so good, but like specifically going into those days on set, I was like, it, like in the car on the way over to set, I was saying to myself, okay, this is going to be really fun. But Ephraim just, just, Please just don't do anything that could get turned into a meme. That's all you got to do. You just got to do. You just got to play it cool and not do anything that get turned into a meme. And then lo and behold, that gif is everywhere. Ah, oh, I failed in my mission. But to be honest, it's hilarious. It's amazing. It's like my Twitter header now. It's great. I love that. It warmed my, it really warmed my heart. And so did you wear extension? It was so much fun. That day? I did. I did wear extensions and they kind of sprung it on me at the last second. It was kind of weird going in because like me, like not only did, was I unclear, but like everybody was unclear as to whether we were like playing ourselves or our characters. Right. Again, going back into the thing. So like, yeah, so it was like, cause I was not, I like, I was not expecting that game, but I was like, okay, cool. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. I guess I'm wearing extensions today, but throw it on me guys. This is going to be hilarious. Did you, did you um, kind of like, were you, did they kind of tell you everything, like what, everything that was going to happen once you got to set? Like, were they just kind of surprised everybody with, okay, here's the setup and you're going to do this and do this and go. Yeah. I feel like yeah, it was yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. like not thrown together, but a very, loose and yet still constructed video 
It was, you no, know, it, it honest to God was like thrown together in two weeks. Love it. Um, which like just, just speaks to, uh, the, uh, tenacity and ingenuity and amazingness of both, uh, Drake and, um, uh, and, and his, his people and the amazing director that they hired, um, how, to do that video. I love that. How was um, the old reunion? Yeah, like when you got to see each other again, like playing such a pivotal role in each other's acting careers. Well, you like me, like, like seeing Drake again. Yes. You mean, uh, it, it was, it, uh, weirdly enough, like, because like he was, he was like going around the set doing like all the rest of the video and like managing the rest of the shoot and stuff. So I didn't actually see a lot of him, but obviously he like, like, like we, we hung out a little bit. And like when I first like rolled up, the main thing is that I was suddenly, I didn't know what to call him because he wasn't Drake last time I saw him. Like last time I saw him, he was Aubrey. Right, right. So I was like. So I just rolled up and I was like, and just like I, when I went to say hi, I just kind of panicked and I was like, okay, sh crap, do I say hi, Aubrey, or do I say hi, Drake? And I just like shook his hand and said, like, hey, man. Like, I like I just couldn't decide which was I was supposed to call it. Played it safe. I love that. Yeah. No, but what was really, really cool is that like it honest to God, like he's in, he like he's an international superstar and he's insanely wealthy now and stuff, but he he was exactly the same guy. He was exactly what I would imagine just uh Aubrey I knew when I was 18 he was like again 18 or 16 however old he was like I he was exactly what I would imagine that guy to grow up into being um and like was still the same really nice really unassuming sweet guy so yeah that's great and I know also on the set that day was someone you look up to that you just missed on season four of Degrassi Mr. Kevin Smith please tell me you got to say hello Man. to him well, yeah, I absolutely, yeah, no, I got to, like, I had, like, a couple of really nice conversations with, uh, with Kevin and Muse. Um, yeah, that was really, really cool, and I was really glad that I actually got to meet them, because, yeah, my episodes and Rick died, like, an episode before they tried to lighten, they, uh, they went and lightened things up a bit more with them doing a guest spot on the show. Right. Um, what was, what was kind of fun was that, like, before we started shooting on the video, they, like, sent us uh, like back to kind of the old dressing rooms to hang out because they still existed. So they just used them as dressing rooms on the video. So I'm like sitting on my phone waiting to be called down to set and suddenly past the open door, Silent Bob just glides by. Oh. And I, I, I can't remember whether or not I knew he was going to be in the video at that point, but I just remember being like, oh, cool. I guess I'll get to say hi to Kevin Smith later. I look back down at my phone, but then a second later, he just glides back into the doorway, <laughs> looks at me and goes, and goes, hey! And, I go, and and then and then I'm pretty sure, like like Kevin just said, like, oh, hey, yeah, uh, like, isn't this great that we're all here? This is super fun, right? Love your work. See you downstairs. And then he left. I'm like, yeah, you too, man. And then it was like, it was just cool that he like started the conversation. Like, oh, and Kevin Smith knew who I was. That's kind of cool. That is sad because he was a huge fan of the show. The reason he even went on. And so I'm sure he was a fan of yeah, yours. Exactly. Yeah. And again, like intellectually, sure, you know that. But it's cool to like actually have that confirmed. And have that happen in real life. It was cool. Wow. Well, I'm so glad you all got to have a reunion and that epic moment. And just, you know, I just want to thank you for your work and, you know, all of the, you know, just being a part of such a great universe. Um, again, we are talking to Ephraim. That's, yeah. Ephraim Ellis. You're so welcome. And tell us, I know you have your own podcast right now. What is it called? 
Oh boy. Okay. So uh, this is pretty much the dorkiest thing I've ever done. Uh, so uh, the podcast is called Clothed Men Discuss Bare Naked Ladies. Um, and it's a podcast I started about a year ago with a comedian friend of mine named Chris Small, who now lives in Australia, uh, who we were in a sketch troupe together called The Rocket Scientists in Toronto for about five years from 2011 to 2016. Um, and uh, he moved to Australia and I was in Toronto and there was this whole pandemic happening and we were kind of like missing hanging out uh, and uh, doing comedy and having fun and kind of inspired by um the podcast uh you talking you too to me that scott ackerman and adam scott from parks and rec yes, do, yes. which is their weird uh talking about you too podcast we decided to um do this podcast where every episode we discuss an album that the bare naked ladies the canadian folk rock band put out which is uh one of both of our favorite bands uh put out and uh talk about what we like and dislike about each of those albums and then go off and tell stupid jokes and weird tangents and just have a nice time hanging out on two different continents. Um, and it's it's been a really, really fun time. And we uh, just finished our first season on uh, like two days ago. So our entire first season where we go through the entire discography of that band uh, is out on uh, wherever you get your podcasts right now. Um, it was a really fun time. Well, everyone, make sure to check out that. You know where to find it, everywhere you can get your podcast. You're listening to a podcast right now, so you know where to go. And make sure you're following Ephraim on social media. What's your Instagram again, sir? Uh, so I am just plain old at Ephraim Ellis, spelt like my name. Uh, and I'm also on Twitter at Ephraim Ellis as well. There you go. Keep an eye on them, y'all. Thank you again, Ephraim, for being here. Thank you to the Waniacs for tuning in. And we've got another good one coming up next. So we'll talk to you soon. Make sure you're giving the show those five-star reviews on iTunes and having a great day. Goodbye. See you guys. This episode was produced and engineered by Dominic K. Trevino. When it comes to looks and smarts, I'll give you five out of five kisses. Every time I hear you mock, I wish that I can be your missus. Let me rise to the occasion. I'll photo you at the radio station. In my headphones, your voice will be playing. And I won't be limited to just one minute with Mark. You won't quit talking once you start to drug. I can't stop the beating. My heart when I'm waiting on that moment for your lips to part when I'm waiting on that minute, just a minute more. All the others crave your silence. If you talk to me, I won't say be quiet. I don't mind any time you can.